Welcome to the 401 Jake Show. I'm glad you're here. This is going to be a great one. We're going to dive into TPAs and the top three things to look out for when you're choosing a good TPA, how to do it. Guest, special guest, Colton Hutchins. Can't wait. Before we jump into that, I got two quick things. First and foremost, make sure that you subscribe. I'm going to continue to bring content. I'm going to bring guests. I'm going to, I've found that more people listen when we have guests. So I'm going, to, I'm going to double down on that. I'm finding that people want to hear different stories and different ideas and they don't want to just hear me talk. So I'm going to bring on different guests. Number two, the club session is still going. Every three weeks, we get together as a group on a Zoom meeting. I know you're sick of Zoom meetings. We'll figure something else out if, it, if, if you just can't handle it anymore. But this Friday is going to be content creation. Now, I know most of you are like, oh, compliance, they're going to stop me. I can't do it. We're going to talk about how you can get around that. We're going to talk about what content creation means and what that really can be, how you can make that work for you and your personal brand. Because a stronger personal brand, or another term for that is your reputation, will lead to more opportunities, no matter what your role is. If you're a wholesaler, if you're an advisor, if you're a TPA firm, a record keeper, I don't care. You have a reputation that ties directly to you. And one way to get more eyeballs or more audience on you and what you can do to provide value for people is by creating content and posting that content and how to do that and navigating the compliance, I guess, chains that you might be in. This is 2020. We are all at home. Content has to be your thing. So we're going to talk about that. All right. Welcome to the show. Enjoy it. Colton brings some real fire, some ideas that can help you partner with some of the best TPAs out there. Let's go. All right. Welcome everybody to the 401J show. I've got a special guest today. I am so excited about this because you know how much I love third-party administrators. TPAs make or break your practice. I really believe that. And so I'm constantly finding new people in this industry that are I think a little hidden in the administrative world. And I like to bring them out and highlight some of the things that they've, they're doing and some of the ideas they have, because there's a lot of talent hidden in TPAs all over the country. And today we've got Colton Hutchins. He is a, uh, I don't even know your title. I'll, I'll let you introduce yourself, but Colton is an all-star that I've met that is doing a lot of marketing and you'll see him all over LinkedIn. So I'm sure you've seen his name pop up possibly if you're in the foreign industry and you followed me, you're probably going to see Colton somewhere. So Colton, give us the rundown. Give us a little bit of a background, who you are, where you came from, your kind of your day-to-day, what you do, and, uh, and then we'll dive into our topic today. Okay. Yeah. Th- thanks for that introduction, Jake. Very glad to be here. Like uh, he said, my name's Colton Hutchins. I work for the writing company based out of uh, Southern California. Uh, my current title is new business coordinator and social media slash website strategist. Uh, so that's kind of my secondary role. My primary role is new business coordinator. Uh, in that role, I do function um, to pretty much help any new clients that are onboarded from our sales team and give them a warm transfer to the administration team. So a lot of times uh, just building relationships and continuing service levels that people have uh, first experienced when they enter our doors. And a little follow-up to that. My question is when, when there's a tough question, you're getting hit with a lot of different scenarios, right? As a TPA, like you're the one that's going to get hit with like, is this a control group? Is this affiliated? Like there's a lot that comes up. How do you handle that? I know you're not, I mean, you've got a lot of experience in the industry, but not, not a ton. Right. And so how do you handle when you come across new scenarios? What's kind of your, your, I guess, process when that happens? 
Yeah, so, you know, it's not a surprise to come across unique experiences, especially when um, bringing on takeover plans. Um, so fortunately, we've got a compliance department and director who I, I work very closely with, who's been in the industry for quite a bit longer than myself. She's been in there for um, almost three decades now, probably over three decades. Oh, wow. So, you know, yeah, she's got a, a lot of experience and, and it's hard to stump her. Um, so while well, I might be stumped myself, um, I, I have a great resource internally that uh, can sh shed a lot of light in answering clients' questions. Nice. I think that that role that you're in is definitely one that every single day you're going to learn something. I think that's exactly. pretty, pretty fun. I mean, it doesn't really get boring because you're going to get hit with something new every day. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Just Sweet. we thought you learned new at all. You uh, learned something new. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I have that, that same problem, but I, I turn to the TPA, right? Like that's where I turn. So you as being that person I'm turning to, that's a tough position to be in, I think a lot of times because we expect you to have the answer. And um, it's really important that you have the support behind you because no one has all the answers I've found. Even the most experienced people can get stumped. So that's exciting you're doing that. How did you, how did you end up there? I'm always fascinated by someone's path to get into the TPA world because I don't think anyone decides, Hey, I'm going to go work at a TPA. Like that just doesn't happen. So how did you get there? Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly right. As a matter of fact, I was, I had my heart set on becoming a, an accountant. Um, so when, when doors were closed for that, uh, just found myself in a couple different opportunities, uh, ironically with new business, um, in each of those. So Pacific life, so in life insurance, um, AIG working on a variable annuity product. And then, um, I actually, applied for this job at the writing company because it was closer to my house. Uh, so <laughs> nice. was kind of sick of the commute, you know, being in Southern California, anytime you can kind of cut that down um, is great. Uh, so now I don't even have to ride um, the freeway to get there. But, you know, I've been here for about three, three years now, um, learning a lot and absolutely loving the company that I work for. Awesome. So you did a little bit of annuity work in the past what are your thoughts on annuities inside of a 401k you weren't expecting that question so you don't have to yeah <laughs> you were prepared for that one you, you know um I, I think i can point to just kind of the way that the market has been uh over the last year um it is it presents some unique challenges um so we generally like to recommend not having annuities especially for defined benefit plans uh, but, you know, we just inform our clients, inform our advisors of, of what we prefer, um, but, you know, it's ultimately up to them. So, yeah, I mean, I'm at the same feeling. I, I don't like to just shut the door completely, even though I, I'm not a fan of annu annuities really at all for very, very few scenarios will actually make a lot of sense. And so yeah. for the masses, it doesn't. And then I get the concept of, well, a target date kind of is misleading. So there's a date you think you can retire, but you're not really having any guarantee. So I, I understand. So I'm not like not open-minded. So it, we'll see where it goes. I think that's interesting that you have that background. I, I, I'm sure that was a tough one too, because annuities, every single one is so different. I, I don't envy that position that you had. <laughs> yeah, no, they're, they're definitely challenging, complicated products, you know, different for everybody and certainly not um, the right option, but uh, that's not to say we should eliminate it altogether. So just keep that door open just in case. Yeah. I mean, it's always fascinating what we can come up with as a, as an industry and the different products. And so I think it's, it's good to continually explore what is happening and understand it. So when I see people bashing 401ks, I always pause and, and listen and try to understand what is the motivation that they're trying to do? Because 
I don't, I don't look at the form K as a product. I look at it as an account type. And so when someone is looking at like a product and trying to hit it saying you shouldn't invest in a form K, well, do they really understand what it is? And so I, I like to, to not cause contention in there, but I like to kind of have a discussion to figure out where, where's this coming from. So, cause obviously I'm a huge fan of form K's, but I will say 401k is not the end all solution. You have to have more than a 401k usually to retire. So yeah, cool. Let's get back to that. Let's get back to 401ks and kind of the whole um, TPA relationship. The things we were going to talk about today were the top three and you prepared for this, the top three um, things to look for when pick a TPA. So I'm excited to hear about this from your perspective, because I've talked a lot about this. I've talked about how I've picked some of my partners and it's always kind of changing. And I've been very new to, to meet the writing company. I've been very impressed with your team and, and the level of expertise you guys have and the processes. So I'm excited. So kick it off. What's the first one you would first of the three that you would look for when you pick a CPA? Yeah. So when I was trying to think of the three um, things that I wanted to share, I wanted to kind of think outside the box a little bit, things that you um, wouldn't necessarily point to uh, just right off the bat. So some of those would have been, um, you know, how long we've been in the industry. Well, you know, being in the industry since uh, 1974 for us, um, there's a lot of changes that have taken place um, with that. So, you know, longevity is not necessarily the best thing to pick. Um, so I w went slightly different route um, and was looking at how do we keep um, current? Uh, so the way to do that is my number one is looking for designations. So as you're familiar with, there are a couple different um, regulating bodies that put credentials together. So similar like financial advisors where you have to have um, continuing education requirements. That's what these two bodies require. So when you see designations, you know that in order to keep them current, these people have to keep their information current, which is you know, important in this ever-changing space. So that's the number one reason. So tell me which designations, because I don't think most advisors know what designations you have. I mean, we see all those letters after your name, right? I have an AIF and I, I love that because I'm part of the, the community with FI360 and there's, there's continuing education and it's kind of taught by our peers. But tell me more about yours because you're QKA, right? QKA. I don't even know what it stands yep. for. That's how I know it's yeah, qualified. Yeah, I know. Great something. question. So QKA is the, the most basic, um, which is appropriate for somebody who's been in the industry for a couple years. Um, so it's called a qualified 401k administrator. Um, that requires just a couple exams. Um, they usually have two to three years of experience. Um, and it just goes on out based on the, the different tests. So you can see a QKC, which is brand new. Um, and they kind of go qualified administrator, then consultant, administrator, consultant. So consultant is always um, the higher of the two levels. So be on the lookout for that. Yeah, it's fascinating. I think that's important. I like that point because the ongoing effort to keep that, you know, that up, you know, all the, and the continuing education is a real key piece to that. And um, I've never had a client ask me, like, do you have this or, or ever come up in an actual sales scenario? Yep. But it does keep things relevant. So I like that point. That's a great one. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So, and then the number two, uh, this one's also a little bit challenging to see and, and would come out and just um, conversing with sales reps or um, somebody else at the, the company like myself. And that is um, the investment and in the people. And this is, can be a little bit challenging to see as well. Um, but in the TPA space, like the advisor space, we're looking to have um, long-term 
relationships with our clients. So when I think of investments um, into the employees and the people of that company, I'd like to see people who have been there a long time, uh, people who have been growing with the company, um, and just people who love talking about it. So, I mean, hopefully you can tell in, in only three years uh, from, from me, you know, I, I love um, working for, for my company. I think they do a great job of that. Um, so that would be number two, investment in their people. Yeah, I, I agree with that. High turnover can lead to some tough conversations with your clients when you, yep. obviously I, I kind of pivot to the point where I want to be the hub, right? So there's a problem with the clients come to me and then I'll deal with the TPA, but there are certain things where there's going to be some interaction. If that's a different person every time, that's, that's tough. So I do, I like that point. Keep in, investing in your people, which in turn goes back to your number one, your people should be continually educating themselves. And one thing they can do is help them get accreditations and, Yep. Um, yeah, those are two great points. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Number three, what do you got? Number three is, you know, quite simply, do you like working with them? Long-term relationships, you got you to gotta have people that you like to work with. You got to have people that you trust. Um, and that can look uh, very different um, even within each organization. So for instance, you know, some clients uh, prefer email correspondence or phone uh, correspondence. Others like to do most of their business through the advisor or the CPA. And I think um, it's important for us as TPAs uh, to be adaptable to the different needs of our clients um, and meet them where at, they're at and communicate um, in ways that matter to them. Um, so that's, you know, really important. We love to, we're pretty intentional um, with the way that we bring on clients, um, starting with the sales team and then transferring uh, to my department. Um, and that's really where we get to, to think about who in our company would be a great fit for this particular client based on their experience, um, based on their needs, um, you know, because a lot of reasons when we get takeover plans, it's because something went wrong at the other, the other company. And so usually clients are really willing to share that with us. Um, and so we can make mental notes um, and then, you know, make sure that we're addressing those concerns for them from the get to go. I like that. That's a, that's a really good point. Um, looking at, at the long-term relationship, um, because what's fascinating about the, the TPA and advisor role is you're both paid by the client yet you have to support each other. And if, and if there's not trust between those two parties, it's going to be a tough relationship. <laughs> that's what I found. Like you have to yep. support and, and not throw each other under the bus. I've seen that happen a lot of times. And, mm -hmm. and sometimes the TPA will, We'll drop the ball. Probably advisors, we drop the ball quite a bit more, I would guess, um, just because most advisors are out selling. So when you actually get a plan, I think a lot of us get distracted by more opportunities. And so we rely heavily on the TPA to keep everything in order and kind of put a lot of trust that, that they're doing that. However, it's a team effort. It really has to be. So those are all three solid. I love them. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I love what you said about, you know, sometimes – um, different uh, groups drop the ball, um, but ultimately in the client size, we are part of their team, part of their team of trusted advisors. So, you know, we love to have um, communication outside of the client uh, with advisors and CPAs to get on that same page and then present a solid case for our clients together. Yeah, no, that's so true. And, and I kind of was thinking about this, this whole TPA relationship. And obviously there's a huge 
bonus when you as an advisor have a good TPA that's on your side and, and depending on which niche you're in, if you're going deep into cash balance plans like I do, I'm very heavily involved with TPAs. Um, very few plans do I ever do bundled. But how does, a, I mean, from a record keeper's perspective, I know there's a lot of wholesalers that, that listen in um, from the record keeping side and they're kind of in this weird camp where sometimes they have bundled plans, sometimes they want to work with TPAs and I see some of them partner up together and there's been the new thing here in Utah where they have you stop by a pizza place and you take a pizza home to your family. I mean, they're trying to just like keep in touch. I mean, that hasn't happened since COVID hit, but that was pre-COVID. Um, <laughs> I'm curious your thoughts on how, how 401k record keeper wholesalers could bring more value to a TPA and vice versa. Like how can we make that relationship stronger? How can they really, in the end, obviously the end results to win more business, right? And, and there's all three of us have to work together, the record keeper, TPA and advisor. How can we better make those connections? What advice do you have for wholesalers on the record keeping side? Yeah. So, you know, similar to um, point number three about, you know, liking the people that you work with, it's really um, building relationships with a couple key contacts um, at the TPA. So like you uh, mentioned, a lot of these record keepers are doing both bundled and unbundled. Um, so, you know, they don't necessarily care if their plans are going between those two um, because they, they get to keep the business. Yeah. Um, but from our standpoint, you know, we've got our TPA sandbox uh, we want to play well with advisors and CPAs and, and record keepers. Um, and so just keeping those uh, channels of communication open um, as, and especially letting us do what we do well. Um, and that's, you know, plan compliance and testing. So deferring them to us um, as often as they can, uh, because that's uh, our specialty. Yeah. One thing I would love to see is if, if you, if I could get together, and I actually have some of this with some of my partners I work with that have I've known for my whole 401k career last six years where I've only done 401ks where they're so close in relationship that we're kind of texting each other. And like, we almost have like this little group chat going all the time when something pops up, yeah. we kind of all put our heads together. And the first thing we're thinking of is what's best for this client. It, yeah. and it never comes in as like selfishly. Someone's like, well, just I'll help you if you bring it here. Like, those are the best partners. I feel like where they have to be willing to give. And unfortunately TBAs have to give quite a bit upfront for free a lot of times to win that business. And the more they do that, the more I think you guilt, it's a bad way to term it, but a bad way to look at it. But in a way I feel as an advisor, like I got to get this plan to this TPA because I had them do all this work for me. Um, and I'm very careful about that. Like, so how can we better get those, those, those conversations going? I, I mean, do you, you, as far as you're in sales and, and social media and those kind of connections with, with all the different parties involved, how do you approach that? Like, do you have a certain area and, you know, these advisors are specialists and then you, do you ever talk to other record keeper wholesalers about that same advisor? Has that ever come up? You know, we try to keep um, advisor contact or communication, um, separate because uh, we certainly kind of don't want to, to yeah because we you know our advisor partners and um cpas you know those those are the big uh referral sources for us you know they're they're the first contact with the client they have a lot of different opportunities for different record keepers because 
and financial advisors, you know, generally speaking, are located in a geographic area, yeah. um, whereas record keepers and TPAs may not be. Um, and so for that reason, you know, we, we try to keep as open as possible to, you know, not, not, uh, not lean one way or the other. Yeah, no, that yeah. makes sense. Cause you kind of, I would say a lot of record keeper wholesalers, unfortunately, probably are just trying to get their deal done with, with them. Right. So that a lot exactly. of times that's a different mentality that, that you have and the advisor or the CPA might have. I can see that. That's a, that's good feedback. I mean, honestly, that's why I wanted to get to the bottom of it because I think there's a ton of wholesalers that they can't comment on LinkedIn. They can't do certain marketing. So they're trying to figure out with COVID, what can they do? And I think they need to take more of a TPA mindset where they got to just help. They got to get in and help when they see a scenario that could help somebody share it, obviously keep it private, whatever the yeah. names are, but there's a lot of things that they see and learn that could help mm -hmm. advisors and TPAs all across the country if they would just share it. But they're yeah. so locked down because they want that deal and they don't want anyone to, you know. So I want to change that mentality. So that's, yeah, I, yeah go you ahead. make a, a great point because with um, the sharing of that information, uh, especially with what's important to clients, like they, they know the different TPAs are, um, that they kind of specialize in different plans or like you mentioned, uh, cash balance plans specifically. So what are those types of plan sponsors looking for? How can we increase um, our value to those clients? Um, and just kind of share that information. So together um, we're making a better, you know, end result uh, for the client, whether they stick with us or, or go elsewhere. Yeah, no, I like that. One other thing I know, cause we have a couple more minutes. I want to, um, you probably saw, I posted just some results from an article I saw about the, who sold the most plans as a record keeper in 2019. And I just posted it out there and threw the question out, why, why is payroll at the top? Like I was just curious, paychecks double, sold more than double what um, ADP sold. Yeah. And it caught, it started a big conversation, like more, more it, was, it was like a very viral post. I was really shocked. I think I'm like at 25,000 views and like tons of comments <laughs> and I didn't approach it negative. Like I don't have, I don't like to come at this like, well, payroll sucks. Like uh, why would you get your phone K from, from paychecks? Like I don't have that, that mindset because I think there's certain scenarios where it could be a good thing. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of great integration there. Um, but I guess what I'm trying to get to the bottom of is from a TPA's perspective, what are your thoughts on, on payroll integration? Because obviously that's a big part of your world is getting that right, you know, detailed information data at the end of the year. Yep. What are your thoughts about that? Where do you think it's going? What, what can advisors do better to avoid issues that TPAs have to clean up at the end of the year? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, payroll integration is, is a double-edged sword. Um, you know, on, on the one hand, uh, the quality of our work and the timeliness that we can turn around that quality work um, is heavily correlated to the quality of the data. Um, and a lot of people who are providing us, uh, whether they work in HR or, or business owners, that's not their specialty. Um, so there's a lot lost in translation about what we need um, to really get the process started each year. And that is, um, you know, almost completely avoided with payroll integration because we can, as the TPA, you know, get that information directly from the uh, payroll provider, ask a couple questions, um, but it's severely cutting down 
you know, the back and forth um, that we experienced on our end. So, you know, I think it's, I think it's great um, ultimately thinking on the, the client's end about what makes it the job easier for them. Um, so I, I don't want to get rid of it altogether. I think that th there's certainly a balance there. Um, yeah. And I'm not sure goes, where that is. Do you think it goes yet. back to training, like training an actual business owner or an HR or payroll person? I think that's where there's a lot of lacking effort. Like there's very little told to them what has to happen. It's kind of like, this is how you upload the file. This is yep. the process. Not like, yep. what does the file really need to be, make sure that it happens? Because the problem is that file is changing every two weeks. Like the business is changing. People are hired yep. and fired. And like, so how do we fix yep. that? Like, I don't know a good solution other than just better, more training. Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, that's kind of been our, our process. We, we realized that with business owners who've got a brand new plan, uh, you know, we've talked about kind of the state mandated retirement plans that are popping up around where um, business owners are getting used to providing that information, but it's all new. Um, so they, they, we've, we've gone into it with an open mind about, you know, it's going to require some investment of time, um, probably a lot of time on the phone and a lot of patience. And, and, you know, that's something we never we never tell our clients, stop asking questions. You know, we, we want to develop that um, confidence in them where they are willing to ask even what seems like maybe a simple question or a question that maybe everybody asks. Um, and th those, you know, we talked about the challenging questions, um, but we also like the easy ones as well, um, where we know the answer and we can be confident uh, when we're providing those uh, on the spot. So I, I think right now, you know, education is certainly, um, a great tool that we use to, to help our clients and certainly avoid more frustration because uh, it can get frustrating, you know, just miscommunication or going back and forth and not understanding what we need. Um, yeah. There's a lot of blaming. If, if there's not like a good foundation set from the start, yeah. um, there can be some fingers pointing like, well, you didn't tell me that we hired you to do the form K and you didn't tell me that by the, by the employer. And, and it, it goes down the wrong hole. Right. So I, I'm always very, I put a lot of attention on that, especially with a new client on a startup plan for, you know, definitely put a lot of effort on that. Um, because that's when the most problems happen. I mean, just that, that's where phone yeah. K's go the wrong way. And yeah. so having a good TPA that's willing to train and educate and help that person upload the right information from the very beginning is so valuable. Like that's true value. Like that's worth every penny. So yeah. that's a thing. I think something our industry has to do better. So advisors out there, listen up. You need to make sure that you spend some time on an education, whether you bring in the TPA to do it or something, but train that person that's uploading that file to know why they do it and what information is important. Cause it's, it's so, it leads to so many headaches if you do it wrong. So yeah. Well, thanks for answering more and more questions. Sorry, I won't keep um, just firing away at you. I, I, I'm glad that you were able to spend some time today and, and chat about those top three. Again, their top three were number one, designations. Number two, invest in the people. And then um, build long-term trust. So yeah. I love it. You know, make sure that you have good partners. I found that we have success working with national and local and having a variety of different options available. Um, I don't know that I would ever go as far as saying you have to have just one TPA and just stick with one. I know most TPAs would want me to say that, 
<laughs> but <laughs> not everybody, not every TPA is a good fit for every client. So know your niche, know what you, what you're, who you're helping. Mm-hmm. Um, too many advisors cast that net out. So I want to help anybody with a, with a business like that's going to lead to some struggles because every business is so different. So niche down and find the TPAs that fit your niche and then be, be more of the physician role where you're like, Hey, this is the best fit. I recommend them. And then go with it. Keep that trust and, and work through struggles. So anything else you want to add Colton? Any yeah, final thoughts? That, that, uh, that pretty much covers it. I mean, like, like you said, not every TPA is the, the right fit for every client. And we know that. Um, but just trying to figure out, you know, doing our due diligence, uh, both with advisors and clients to really uh, make sure that we're going to have a successful relationship with them long-term. I love it. I love it. And for those people that are just starting out on their TPA path, maybe they're just at the bottom of the ladder. They're just, they're taking the phone calls and they're just learning everything. What, what would you tell them that if they're just entering this industry and they don't see where they're going to take it and they're maybe frustrated or like, can I stick with this long-term? What, what would you say to yourself if, if that was you in that position? You know, I, I'd say em, embrace the aha moments. Um, our industry is, is cyclical. Um, it, it takes a while before you really feel like you've settled in. Um, I know my first year, um, everything was just, you know, learning through a fire hose. And then the second year I felt uh, more confident. Um, I, I kind of felt like I knew what to expect and timing wise and that sort of thing. And then here I am, uh, just after my third year, um, and really feeling like I've got a solid, uh, overall picture. Um, and so I'm, I'm looking to drill down deep. Um, but that's what I'd say, you know, keep with it, uh, embrace those aha moments. Um, and with time and, and persistence, uh, you'll get there. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Confidence it just starts to build and the yep. more you do it and then it gets really exciting because now you know the answer. <laughs> yeah. You're still yeah. going to get stumped, but you know a lot more of the answers that you didn't know before. So exactly. that's a great, that's a great um, words of advice. I love it. So thanks for taking time, Colton. I appreciate it. Again, if people have questions, I want to contact Colton. He's all over LinkedIn. So I would reach out probably that way. Um, and, and, ask your questions. I think he's a great, I mean, he's got, they've got, you have clients like all over the country, right? As far as like 40 states. Just uh, realized that this year actually didn't realize how far, how many country or how many states, excuse me. uh, We had like a over 40, 41, uh, I think it is. So got a few not represented, but uh, we're we're working to, to expand there as well. That's great. Yeah. So wherever you are, you might be able to, to connect in with the writing company, If not, you know, I'm sure that they would know another TPA that it would be in your area, but, um, I've been impressed even they're, they're not the largest TPA, but their, their size, um, definitely has depth of experience. So, um, appreciate you taking the time today, Colton. I look forward to continuing to get to know you better and, and to get on some plans and start working towards just helping clients and, um, for you advisors and wholesalers out there, get after it, like find the right TPA partners and build trust, stick with it and don't bounce around. And you'll find that you'll create some really good results for your end clients, which is, which is what we're all trying to do. All right. Yep. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you. Thank you all.